Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. Jeremy, how you doing over there? Doing great. We are together. Again. Again, again. And we are going to be continuing our Gospel for Real Life uh, series. And uh, Love these books. Yeah. Uh, So again, if you guys haven't um, gone to ChristianCounseling.com to get your copies of these wonderful series, um, they're unbelievably digestible in terms of content and usable usable mm-hmm. um and so but today we're going to be we're going to be talking with jeremy and addressing uh cutting um one of his seminal pieces in the our series. special <laughs> guest is actually our co-host yeah. lucky yeah. us yeah <laughs> yeah Exactly. So, um, yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, I would encourage y'all to go and listen to the previous podcast with the Gospel for Real Life series. And um, so we're going to we're going to get into cutting. Jeremy, I um, just wanted to ask right out of the gate, man, what inspired you to, to to write this? Well, you know, it's been a while since I've written it and the issues probably even increase. But when I wrote this, I was seeing a lot of teenagers who were turning to self-harm as a means of coping mm-hmm. with loneliness, rejection, uh, abuse, all kinds of things. And it's like an epidemic. So it prompted me to just write a gospel-oriented short little piece based on um, a fictional character. And, uh, you know, since writing this, uh, you know, this issue has actually become exacerbated in our culture. Yeah. Yeah. With the rise of anxiety and depression, because yeah, it's yes. obviously a, an action or result or an attempt to get away yes. from those things. Right. Yes. Yeah. Relieve pressure. Yeah. 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 So that's good in terms of, you know, what, what caused you to write it. And to your point, you know, this, you know, because of our, where our culture is and everything, uh, this cutting reality has, has definitely become an epidemic. So within that though, um, but you know, I noticed in the book kind of how you use, you know, the story of this woman's life, Justine, Justine, um, you want to tell a little bit about kind of, you know, her story and how you kind of positioned her story to kind of get into the points that you make and the principles of the book. Yeah, sure. Uh, Justine in this narrative is a teenager and her mom struggles with uh, alcohol. And um, she's spent a lot of time isolated, rejected, Mm. um, a lot of identity struggles in her life. And mom uh, ultimately ends up uh, marrying a gentleman by the name of Alex, who is a quote Christian. And Alex, uh, obviously from the get-go, is grooming Justine in uh, pretty horrifying ways, Mm -hmm. uh, speaking the language that tickles her ears and and her heart, helping her feel valued, helping her feel... It filled all her insecurities. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, and then uh, over time, uh, crosses Mm -hmm. lines to the point that there is a sexual... Uh, interaction between the two of them, which just confused Justine because when sometimes, not all the time, but very often in abuse. And it lasted six years, I think you put in there too, right? Yeah. It lasted some time. Yeah. And it's very confusing for 
the victim because on the one hand, they're very disturbed, they're hurt, uh, they feel violated, they feel betrayed. Uh, but at times, there's another part of them that is drawn to that because of what it gives them emotionally and sometimes even physically, which to me is the one of the profound, many pieces of the profound cruelty of sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, and so that is basically what happens to Justine. She just becomes a very confused person and all of those scars on the inside um, from this sexual abuse become very evident on the outside as well as her means of of dealing with the shame and the confusion and the pain. Yeah, that's good. And so in, in the booklet, there were essentially five things that you focused on, things that uh, Justine needs to understand and realize, which obviously, you know, in terms of a counseling, you know, series or a counseling session with somebody in, in um, not that somebody actually graduates and things like this, but it's like, you know, over time and, and spending time with, with the counselees that have been through this, you know, there's obviously principles and things that we want them to understand theologically. Uh, and in this case, as it relates to Christ and, you know, what he bore in his body. And then, you know, obviously the covenant of his body and his blood under that new covenant. And essentially that's what you're kind of getting at in this a little bit, but what are, if you could just, um, just kind of speak to some of the five points or five things within, um, kind of how you use Justine's story to articulate the, the truth of the gospel. Yeah. So, and I come to these points, um, really unpacking a little bit of the confusion that can come along with a person's faith. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, an individual who's struggling with what they perceive could be sinful issues uh, or shame, they tend to allow the the solution to that to be tightening up their bootstraps and getting their act together and being a, quote, yeah. good Christian for God. Yeah. Uh, which which really exacerbates everything because in their own performance and failures, mm -hmm. uh, they just heap on more and more guilt. And something about self-harm and cutting, it's a very impulsive behavior. So it initially begins maybe as something that's just experimental, mm -hmm. uh, but over time it can be very impulsive mm -hmm. where it almost feels as though you can't control it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just this downward spiral. So the more I'm focused on my performance of getting it right and, and, and doing well, uh, the more I get trapped by this uncontrollable impulse where I'm, I'm trying to deal with my own shame and my own betrayal by cutting. In uh, cutting it, there are several reasons that people tend to do that. And one of them is it, it uh, for some, it's the way they feel. It's, it's what re reminds them of, uh, of the fact that they actually can feel something. Yeah. So they've gotten so numb inwardly. Mm -hmm. um, a wonderful, powerful song that captures this well was uh, Johnny Cash remade uh, the song Hurt. Um, and in the beginning, it talks about he, he uh, cuts or, or drives the needle in just to make sure he can still feel. Mm. And so mm. that's a way that a person is attempting to stay, quote, human um, and not get lost in, in the numbness. Uh, another thing, it can distract from the pain on the inside. Uh, and then thirdly, and it can sometimes give an individual sense of control. Mm -hmm. And so where she 
was completely out of control because her stepfather, who she had grown to trust, violated her over and over and over, her life felt out of control. Mm -hmm. And so this was her means to control. It was her means to deal with her guilt. It, mm. Sometimes it's a form of self-punishment. Yeah. And so based on all of that is where I, I come to these five points at the, at the conclusion of the booklet. It's very important for us in a kind way, in a compassionate way, to help individuals struggling with this to op adopt a biblical view of their bodies. Yeah. Um, if you're a believer, then uh, your body was purchased by God. Um, it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's a very sacred thing. And whereas the body mm -hmm. that's been abused just feels like this, this house of horrors uh, or this house of darkness, uh, that's that's a lie of the enemy. Uh, it, when in reality, no, you you even with your story, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and, and we want to make sure that that we are uh, functioning within this body in a way that's bringing glory to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And the second thing, and I think this is big, um, acknowledge that attempts to replace the gospel uh, with our own systems of redemption is futile. Yeah, it's actually going to take us downward. And so, one of the couple of the things that I highlight, I actually bring, I actually bring specific incidents in Jesus's life that corresponds with Justine's struggles. Yeah, and so in her betrayal, um, you know she is turning to her own form of quote redemption mm -hmm. as a means to find comfort and yeah. to find security. Yeah. Um, when in reality, Christ himself came to this earth and he, um, you know, every detail of his life was mm -hmm. important. And one of the details that we are told about in the Bible is that he was betrayed. He was yeah. betrayed by people that uh, loved him. That or he was, loved. Or, yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that moment of betrayal, their yeah. own self-love took over and, right. and, and they betrayed our Savior. And the beauty of him and how he responded to that betrayal, you can take yourself to the shores uh, there where... Peter, who mm -hmm. betrayed him three times, and Jesus comes to Peter, and he responds to Peter's betrayal with beauty and restoration. And where Justine is failing in her response to betrayal, Christ has already walked in her shoes. And yeah, such a good point. The beauty of the gospel is that that beautiful response to betrayal that Christ elicited, not just to Peter, but to many, yep. is is accounted to Justine as though she herself has responded perfectly to betrayal. In her union with Christ, whatever is true of Christ on this earth becomes true of her as well. And so just giving a, a counselee a, a robust understanding of the life of Christ and how it applies to the specifics of where they are in their own particular struggle. And for this one, um, Christ, you know, the, 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 the main point of this booklet is that Christ gave his own body and blood so that Justine doesn't have to do that. She yeah. doesn't have to pay for her wrongs or her shame or any of that with her own body because her her Savior went ahead of her 2,000 years ago and did that 
because he loved her and for her sake. That that was really one of my favorite parts about this book is, and I just remember reading it and I texted you right away because I was just like total chill bumps, tears in my eyes in the moment of how you wrote her story was so incredible because you gave um, not too much, but enough specifics into her life where you felt you were in it with her. You know what I mean? So mm. you're reading it like you would have been involved in this counseling session with her and and really from that you mentioned earlier um, about her stepdad Alex but one of the things that you mentioned in the book too is Alex was someone who went to church mm-hmm. so what her stepdad was doing to her you know she was pretty much she reasoned with it saying like oh he would never hurt me he cares about me he's a Christian and Christians can be trusted so when all of this came about and Alex actually gets arrested as you'll kind of read in the story um, and I guess we don't want to give too much but the it, it obviously took her away from the church right so then then when she, you know, the Lord draws her back into church, she then goes into having that checklist of mm-hmm. I've got to, I got to live this particular type of life and conduct in order to please the Lord. And so then it kind of, the story keeps going in the particular moment where she has for years lived this maybe true Christian life and what she's saying and doing the, all the right things. And she had been free from cutting for so many years and then something traumatic happens and she finds herself having cut again. And and here's my favorite part now to the favorite part of the book where I was just like, this is the most incredible thing ever is saying here she was having struggled with this before all the things that she's went through. She's connected back to the church. She's living this particular lifestyle, right? We can all kind of comprehend to this. Then all of a sudden she and her, you know, she starts cutting it. And so in her mind, she's fallen short. She's in desperation. What is, here's her reality. And here's what Jeremy's. Jeremy writes, he says, this reality is a present working reality in the life of every believer in Jesus Christ. Although Justine is not aware of it, as she sits helplessly on her kitchen floor, blood racing down her arm, her body disfigured by the teeth of a jagged blade, the righteousness of Christ is being poured out upon her at that very moment. While her relentless pride and her adversary, the devil, will work tirelessly to have her fixate on her own failure and on the blood and scars left in its wake. Christ whispers, take, eat, this is my body and drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, which is is Matthew 26. What Justine's blood and body cannot accomplish, freedom from guilt, fear, anxiety, and self-condemnation, Jesus offers her daily in his own. I feel like there's just this moment of silence. Like it still gives me chill bumps now reading it of thinking of that particular moment of, of how you put me in the moment with her of where her heart and her state was and the fact of realizing like G and, and Jesus paid for that. You know what I mean? Well, that's, that's why, I mean, obviously within this series where the gospel comes to life, I think all too often when we, you know, we, we think, you know, as, as church going folk, you know, like, well, we got the gospel, but you know, um, and how does the gospel relate to somebody who's cut or mm-hmm. who's cutting and struggling with this or that? Like, that's a perfect example of where the, the theology of the gospel hits a person dead on with what's going on at the, at the worst state of mm-hmm. what they are. And where the gospel captures that. And that's exactly what that statement does capture is yeah. it's, it's, 
it's the reality of the gospel. Well, mm. but one of the things I've, I've, well, you know, there was a part of me that's like, man, I kind of hate the fact that this book is titled cutting because really in reality, this book could be read. And I mean, the way that you've shared the gospel in this book, Jeremy, and about Jesus, it, I mean, it could just, it could be read and used for so many things that we walk through, mm. right. As believers, um, and the struggles and the suffering that those face. So it's, it's, so technically I want to encourage you to get this book and really look beyond just the cutting. But the reason why it's titled cutting is because how specific you've used the gospel in this particular case of those who cut and the reasons why they cut. And then, Hey, here's how we as a counselor can then turn around and, and, um, and walk with them in these specific areas. So this book is something that I've only not only given those that I've counseled who are struggling with cutting, but also their parents. Mm -hmm. So I've given it to the mom and, and had the mom, Hey, I need you to read this. And, and I want to meet with you to talk to you about your understanding of this and what does this look like as a parent to support, say, your daughter that's cutting. And so there's different situations that you can kind of use the book, um, the book like. And so I love how you've written it in this particular way. Yeah, I would say that's a good point, Shauna, because I mean, outside of the specific you know, point that Jeremy applied the cutting to the gospel, but it also informs many other aspects of the gospel where, you know, man's attempt to, you know, release from pain and find some sort of pleasure or release or and something. Mm -hmm. Right. And just the different aspects. And the, the truth is you could fill in the blank with anything, whether it's cutting or addiction or whatever, it's, it's, it's all pursuing the same thing because they're trying to run from something. They're trying to, they're trying to handle it within their own self of, I need release or I'm looking for redemption. I'm feeling guilty. And this has a sense of allowing me to, to release that guilt. Mm -hmm. But all that stuff does is just compound the yes. guilt and shame and lose a sight of the gospel, which is what the gospel accomplishes. That's the purpose of justification. Mm -hmm. So there's just so much in that, that could be applied to so many aspects of the things that we counsel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's good. I, th I think the way that, it, that you wrote the case study, it's like you're following her along in this timeline of her life and you can just put yourself in that moment of her probably just being in the most despair and sense of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And so I love how you then just brought it back and said, mm -hmm. and then the whole blood part, right? Because yeah. she's obviously bleeding and then you tied it to the blood of Christ. I'm just like, uh, Jeremy, you're so gifted. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because you're my boss. It's, it's so true. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, okay. So back to the book though. You you had written the, the five points that Michael had mentioned. And so you talked about uh, adopt a biblical view of her body. The second was acknowledge her attempts to replace the gospel with her own system of redemption. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned the third, accept what Jesus has given her in his own blood and body. And so there's two more. You want to kind of pick it up from there? Sure. Uh, the fourth is to embrace the righteousness she has been given in Jesus. You know, it's amazing as a counselor, I always ask my clients, um, my counselees, uh, at some point in the counseling process to tell me their understanding of the gospel. What happens when we put our faith in Christ? Uh, and pretty much almost universally, the answer is because he forgives. In doing so, my sins are forgiven. And I say, absolutely. Anything else? And most people don't really have an answer to that. Mm. And so we do a lot of... Um, study of the word yeah. on, uh, you know, the second piece of that, which is the imputed righteousness of Jesus upon the believer. And so we, we work diligently to recognize that all of the wrath for our sin was taken 
by Christ himself upon the cross as though he were the guilty party. And in faith, um, he gives us his own righteousness as though we are the righteous party, as though we've been completely obedient from the beginning. And that certainly doesn't give us permission to take on an antinomian mindset where I can just go sin for the sake of sinning because I'm covered. Mm. But it should produce an awe in us that in this struggle where sometimes you do feel out of control and the impulses are just so strong you could not resist, don't Mm. focus on the fact you failed as much as you want to focus on the righteousness of Christ, which is somewhat... uh, captured in what Shauna just read, yeah. that, that his righteousness is our righteousness and and thank him for that and develop just a heart of praise and worship and gratitude in light of that. Mm. Mm. That's really good. And, yeah. then, and then the final point, um, and I think Christians miss this a lot too. You know, eternity, at least in my perspective, maybe others theologically might differ. I don't, that's probably the case, but uh, eternity will be a time when we have redeemed bodies. We will have glorified bodies. We're not going to be spirits floating around. Uh, We will have bodies that have been perfected. and so to not only recognize, you know, a biblical view of the body in being created in the image of God and being the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, all that's a piece of it. But also another mm-hmm. piece of it is, you know, the, the abuse that occurred physically uh, to Justine or anyone who's been experienced abuse. They often feel this sense of taintedness mm. and you know they that might come and go for the rest of their lives and it's just beautiful to know that there will come a day when our lord returns that all of us in our broken bodies will be given a perfect body mm. that we will uh, get to enjoy um for the rest of eternity. Yeah. And so this God is he's going to someday not only heal Justine and others like her spiritually, he will heal her from head to toe physiologically. Mm, praise the Lord. Beautiful truth. I like that eschatology. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a hopeful eschaton. It's really um, good. Yeah, that's good. Awesome. Well, thank you Jeremy for this uh, yeah. this awesome contribution. This um, obviously it, it's specific to cutting, but as, as we've you know talked about over the last couple of minutes, this is certainly something that you can use in a very general sense and um, theologically speaking, applying it to the, just the, the, the fullness of the gospel mm-hmm. and how it, how we can apply it to uh, the counselees that we, that we are working with and the struggles that they're, uh, they're going through and how the gospel applies to that. So hence the name, the gospel for real life series. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for listening again um, you can email us at topics at speak the truth.org if you want us to um, you know talk about certain things and then also to get these wonderful uh, resources the gospel for real life series go to christiancounseling.com and uh, they'll be there for you get them quick because they uh, they sell out quick so uh, we don't want you to go and find out that it it's got that unfortunate sticker that says sold out we don't want that to well you can all <laughs> I love your sense of urgency but you can also go to pnr publishing and get it there so yeah 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 but yeah. we want you to go to christian counseling because it's a good reminder of all the resources that yeah, we have yeah. yeah add more in your cart awesome well thank, thank you, you guys. guys y'all have a great week